temperature now 40 degrees centigrade and rising rapidly. Well, that's uncanny. And still rising. Oh, yes, I would pick the hottest day on record to come back to Moonbase Alpha. Uh, Tony, I was going to ask one of your command centre staff to provide the randomizer printout today. I don't need a computer printout to tell me that it's hot and it's getting hotter. I know, I agree. I would rather not have to stick around in this heat any longer than necessary, so I've already made today's selection. It's UFO and it's ESP. What does that mean? Extrasensory perception. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for explaining that. Uh, Sam, I'm sure everybody remembers who you are. Ready to receive data. So welcome back to UFO with ESP. And uh, I'm starting to, uh, to worry a bit with UFO. We seem to be getting through these rather quicker than the rest of the Anderson shows. And uh, I'm hoping that we're not going to suddenly run out or have like a year's gap or something. But uh, for tomorrow. there we go. That's the uh, the perils of the randomizer. Got to got to go with what comes up, good or bad, um, frequent or infrequent. And we're starting off with this. Um, well, straight away we have one of the, uh, I think, the high spots of this episode, and um, possibly one of the strongest guest performances of the entire series. This is. Um, uh, John Stratton as uh, as. Do you want to please to see me, Mr. John Croxley? Would have been better as a surprise. As a man who, for, for whom nothing can be a surprise, for he has oh, ESP. The doctor. I told you this morning. Well, you can drop me off on the way. I'll take a taxi home. And I like how this scene. Been to see. She'll be better tomorrow. This scene plays out, and it, at first it just looks like a normal, um, you know, husband meeting his wife, and then it sort of gradually. You get the reveal of the ESP, and then it. Tell me how. This sort of manic, desperate side of Stratton's performance takes over. What do you expect? It isn't exactly normal, is it? The doctor said it would pass. So we've gone from one location that I feel I should recognise, um, the place where Croxley works, to another location I feel I should recognise in this. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. This building where Croxley's going to see his doctor. Shut up, can't you? Stop it! That stupid remark you're always using. What can I say? As soon as I tell you about anything. And I like as well the, the, the obvious strain that uh, um, Croxley's ability is placing on, on both of them in this relationship. You just don't think. How it's literally impossible for either of them to function as long as this is. Uh, Doctor's got this is ruling their lives. I don't know how long I can stand it. And of course, uh, John Stratton is uh, probably known to uh, to Doctor Who fans as uh, Shock Eye in in the Two Doctors. Um, also turned up in a lot of other things along the way, but uh, yeah, he's off to see. Well, we're getting a pan over to the sign saying Doctor Brunner. Although I believe that later on, isn't there a, a goof with that? We'll, we'll find out along the way. Anyway, Croxley's having some tests done. Lots of electrodes being uh, strapped to his temples and to his chin, oddly. And there's the Doctor, played by... Is it Mr. Croxley? Douglas Wilmer, who is one of the few actors to have appeared in UFO and The Protectors and Space 1999, all three live-action uh, Jerry Anderson ITC shows, which is uh, it's quite, a, quite a small club that he, he's a part of there. Sometimes I wonder if you really want to be helped. Most of the time, your answers to my questions are complete and direct, but somewhere there is a mental block, a refusal to... 
This is lovely as well. It's certain. Hearing this building sound effect that I have to go. That almost sounds like a like an approaching UFO. Oh no, I, I can't make Thursday. What did you say? I, I thought you said Thursday. No, Mr. Croxley. I was about to. But you have anticipated my words. And Douglas Wilmer is another very good actor. Um I think what's working well in this scene is he's that seems to be a great pity. He's underplaying it, and, and Stratton isn't overplaying it, but there's... Some progress. You know, there's a, a manic energy to his performance, because he's a man driven to despair by... Uh, if you should change your mind... By always knowing the... Don't hesitate to call. The next thing that's going to come out of the, the mouth of the person he's talking to. Are you all right? Uh, yes. It's my wife. She's going to have a visitor. Sighting confirmed. Course varying... Eight to ten degrees. Hello, Gay. How long has it been banking and weaving like this? Well, that's a very personal question, Alec. Seconds ago, sir. Before that, course and speed... Nothing, nothing naughty. They've picked up a UFO. Readings. Course. Of course. How long before Commander Straker comes on duty? What's the panic? Nah, don't do that. A UFO. No. UFO? Well, Alec, you should contact the people who, who deal with such things. Why are you so worried about a UFO? Yes, but maintaining an overall flight path. Yeah, the UFO's going all wibbly-wobbly. Yes, I agree with you, Alec. This zigzagging is unusual. It's almost as if it were trying to avoid something. Or find something. Sound a red alert. Shadow control to all stations. We have a red alert. Repeat. Condition is red. And I do love the... Uh funky this uh, um, I don't know what you call this part of the show where the title and the, the cast names and the uh, writer and so on come up but uh, yeah it's it's a nice very funky way to uh, to go to moon base to see the uh, the interceptors taking off but then I'm a sucker for it for any time in this show where this kind of music is playing and there's stock footage of things taking off and driving around or whatever uh, even if something as, as simple as an interceptor launch it's just so much cooler with this amazing music. Interceptors, immediate launch. <gasps> and immediate launch. Oh, it's um, it's good old Mark Bradley is back. Oh, hi, Mark. Missile launch. Ten seconds. I, I do remember that he, uh, that uh, the actor Harry Baird, he left the series for a little while because he wasn't happy with the. Uh, <laughs> The way in which there was no consistency from one week to another with regard to what actor would be would be working, um, but then he did return for this episode and um, and kill Straker. But he's not really playing. Well done, Lieutenant Mark Bradley as such, because nobody ever really oh. treats him like that formerly. Uh, vital and um, prominent character in the show. It's just like now he's generic interceptor pilot. Anyway. Straker and Freeman are celebrating at cigar time. They've blown up the UFO. But... And UFO? No, sir. The same one. Oh, no. But you reported a positive detonation. I know, sir. It's Mark's fault. I told you not to bring him back. Well, what's the position now, Lieutenant? Screwed, sir. I'm sorry, sir. It's through Moonbase defences heading for Earth. That's it. Freeman puts a cigar back in the tub. That's one less today. It'll have to be only only 25 today. 
Seemed to me that UFO was a sitting target. Maybe that's what we were supposed to think. And that's a good point, Alec. Force the interceptors to release their missiles, avoid them, then it gets a clear run past the moon base defenses. Where is it now? Yeah, because a UFO has never avoided the interceptor missiles on this show before. I say, it's changing course more violently than before. Yeah, still wibbly and wobbly. Yes, we can get us Western Europe. Well, it could be damaged. Western Europe. Well, shall we, shall we place bets on uh, where in uh, Western Europe this is going to land? I predict... Speed increasing. I predict about ten minutes drive from the studio, probably. Looks like it's going to hit. The question is, what is it up to? I'll tell you what I think, Alec. I think that UFO is under manual control. First, the... Uh, aren't they all? Where'd that come from? I don't remember ever hearing or seeing any indication that the UFOs were under... Sense. Computer control. I always, I always assumed someone would be piloting them. Areas 17 to 23. Too close for comfort. Sound a red alert. Oh, that's it. Yep. UFO bingo. They're going to land very close. Alert the mobiles. Again, more funky music to um to vehicle footage. Yes, this is the uh, the old Marker's Universal Shadow Mobile Transporter truck. Um, as the UFO gets nearer. And I, I, I like the idea of the Marker's Universal truck, but it, it doesn't look big enough to hold enough mobiles. I mean, you see Shadow 2 rolling out here. There's barely, in, there's barely any room at the sides. Two instructions. This is Red Alert. Proceed to map reference 405. Anyway, Paul Foster is on the scene. Roger control. Mobile 2 move. I'm not sure why he wasn't at shadow control, why he just happened to be in a in a mobile inside a truck ready for action. Where was he? Where was he anyway? Shadow control to mobile 2. This is Commander Straker. Get that area sealed off, Foster. Yes, sir. I want a detailed survey of the area. If there is a specific target in there, I want to know about it. I do like as well how methodical... Um, Shadow can be in these early episodes. I think later on, although the the pacing of the show sped up when they moved to Pinewood, they sacrificed just a little bit of the credibility in terms of how how thorough Shadow can be. Um, earlier on in the series, it was kind of the other way. You would have people, actors, running off whole lists of numbers and words, and none of it really meant anything. Here, I think, but by this point in the series, they've achieved a nice balance. Anyway... Croxley's wife is at home, as is the Croxley cat. Well, John. But John's not there yet. Uh, has your visitor arrived yet? Visitor? I wonder if Croxley gets uh, any ESP-related vibes from the cat as well. That seems like the sort of thing that if a cat was aware that you... Um, you could sense what it was going to do next, and that was driving you crazy. It seems like the sort of thing that a cat might want to um, to exploit. Derelict farm and a couple of houses within a five-mile radius of the ETT. Slide rules. Oh, I love this for Shadow. All, all slide rules and um, locating bearings and so on. It's wooded common land. What could be of interest there? It's out of control. The aliens being forced to crash land. No, somehow I don't think so. This is a, a very nice model of the Croxley house as well, and sometimes um, it, with this show particularly, the live-action stuff and the UFO speed. the models don't always um, don't always click as well as as well as you'd hope. Um, they're still gorgeous to look at, but um, you know if you cut from a live-action 
shot to a, a brightly lit model of a of a, a building in daytime that you know clearly these are time to complete evacuation are taking place you know possibly months apart but here this this shot of the house at night looks almost real range 600 miles the roadblock should be in position now the whole area is sealed off did croxley pick like the the furthest doctor away from from his house Considering he was already on the way home before Shadow even arrived, it's taken him a very long time to get there. Course maintained, speed reducing. Oh, here we go. This is um, way back in pod whatever it was, we had a randomizer for Mindbender. And I mentioned uh, one of the Shadow security guards in that who gets killed. This area has been sealed off. Was in an earlier episode, and that's him there, Stanley McGeeg. Or McGee, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Live a couple of miles over there. He gets killed in that episode, and his bot he's he's found dying on the floor by another shadow security guard played by John Lyons. And they're both in this scene together as undercover shadow operatives. And considering that this Yeah, there they are together. Considering that this is a a uh, a Borenwood episode, and they were later together again in a Pinewood episode. It's it's been increasing. It's very odd that they were check it. They but they both played security guards together. Hey, Colonel Foster in episodes so far apart. But it's a nice it's a nice touch for for people who've seen these episodes over and over again. Like uh, well, like me. Um, and I do like occasionally that happened in UFO. Colonel Foster, have you got visual contact? No, sir. Still tracking on audio. So Croxley's at the roadblock. He's uh, he's losing it a bit. The UFO's coming in very fast towards the Croxley house, and this is a horrifying build-up for a well to the end of um, of Mrs. Croxley here. Hearing that sound, she's got no idea what's about to happen. Fortunately, the uh, the cat seems to have a a slight premonition of what's to come because. Uh, yeah, the cat's gonna charge out of there. Super fast speed, and the UFO oh, smashes into the Croxley house, and that is a gorgeous bit of model work. Well, it seems it was some You're right, sir. Meanwhile, Croxley at the roadblock. Oh, good old McGeegan Lions there uh, looking after him as he's fainted. And Paul Foster's moving in in the mobile. It's all go. Get there as fast as you can, Colonel. Yes, sir. So the UFO looks largely intact. Well, due to control. Same can't be said for the house. All right, Colonel. Do what you can. Now here we come to a moment that I it took me a very long time to realise on first viewing. And out of control. Crash landing velocity. Is that Foster and his um, co-driver guy don't actually get out of the mobile. It's a house. And this shot is inside. Is is meant to be inside the mobile and the. The glass fractures as the debris from the exploding UFO hits the uh, the mobile window. It's not it's not immediately obvious until a much later scene. Anyway, it's uh, shadow jeeps and undercover men all over the place here. And for for undercover shadow operatives, of course, they're wearing very 70s. Uh, it's all the Nehru jackets and stuff that uh, makes them look even more obvious than. Uh, than anything else might. Anyway, Straker and Freeman have arrived to 
Look at the model. Quite a mess. For a while it was out of control, yes. But just before impact, it seemed to be fine. And it looped that line of trees, smashed straight... Interesting as well that it's back projection on, on Straker and Freeman here, both sides of their conversation. But Straker is back projected with a model shot, and Freeman is back projected with... Uh, you know, it, it's it's real, real life uh, trees and grass outside his window. And here's another um, very impressive real-life set here, the, the ruin of the Croxley house. And because we only see it, see this set in nighttime again, it um, makes the place seem much more, much more atmospheric and much more, much more real than it might have done if it was lit for, for broad daylight. And it is, I think, rather an iconic shot for this series of just Straker in the the ruins of this house, and it really brings home the sort of personal cost of uh, of Shadow's War with the aliens. It can just affect. What happened to the pilot? There was just enough. The most, the most common, ordinary people. And the UFO is completely destroyed. The largest piece measured six inches. We found it embedded in Foster's mobile. Specifically in the co-driver. Well, it's too early to say. He's lost a lot of blood. At least he was luckier than the co-driver. Oh, oh! I called it. <laughs> oh gosh. That was a very callous way to. Uh, she couldn't have known anything about to it. To off the co-driver there. It okay. must have been instantaneous. And I like that as well. Alex saying, "Oh yeah, it was instantaneous." Even though we know that it wasn't, because she was looking out the window. She heard the UFO coming in. Nothing to connect you with UFOs. Nothing that we know of. Except that one crashed on top. That's of her husband out there now. Oh, poor old Croxley. His beautiful model home has been destroyed. Suppose I better talk to him, Alec. Sure. I'd love to know who else was considered for the role of, of Croxley here, because I can't imagine anyone other than than Stratton playing it. It's um, he's so good at this haunted, tormented. Now he's just absolute grief-stricken. Oh, he can barely hold back the tears. This is such a. Straker's giving him. What's that? All? Something of his wife's. I'm sorry. You killed her. An experimental aircraft crashed into my house. How did you know that? I was at the checkpoint when word came through. If there's anything... Don't you think you've done enough? Well, that could have gone better. How's he taking it? Hard to tell. He seemed to know exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I guess it's pretty difficult to find a new way of telling a guy you're sorry. Mm, maybe I shouldn't have used the finger puppets, Alec. Oh, hi, Alec. Is that the time? Yeah, it's time you went home. I also like, with this episode, it, it seems to cover a longer period of time than most other episodes of UFO. We combed the ruin and everything for a mile around. We lifted security yesterday. Yes, I understand Croxley was having psychiatric treatment. He also left his job. It's hardly surprising after what he's been through. Yeah, all of that, that fairly fairly important stuff happened off screen. He, he definitely had a job at the start of the episode, so this has all happened subsequently. I spoke to him yesterday. Since the last scene. Doctors are very pleased with his progress. He wants to speak to you. He's worried about something. What? He wouldn't tell me. And do you mean to say you called me all the way out here just to tell me that? 
Well, I thought you ought to know about it. Surely it's a security matter. What did he look like? Well, it's difficult to say. It's just an impression. Oh, come on now, Paul. Next, you'll be telling so me. So Foster's safely in hospital, and uh, I'm sure there's some in the audience who are enjoying the. Uh, yeah, looking at me, then there's this sort of prolonged shots of his uh, his manly chest here, while Straker's uh, helping himself to as much fruit as possible. You're okay to be moved to our medical center. Oh God, no, not Doctor Jackson. You don't believe me, do you? Not the expert care of Doctor Jackson. I'll tell you what I think, Paul. If you're well enough to worry, you're well enough to go back to work. See, even though Foster has got his bandage wrapping round his chest, he's still got his his medallion. Is that a medallion or a tag? I don't know. Gonna help himself to some fruit, but uh... oh, that's it. Yeah, rub the fruit on your chest. This is real fan service here for those who like that sort of thing. And someone else who's watching. Someone who looks a bit like Croxley, dressed up as a, as a doctor. Miss Eland has got a parcel. Morning, Miss Eland. Mr. Straker of Harlington Straker Studios that's got about a million stamps on it. Somebody wanted to make sure that got here. It's probably a film script. It's addressed to you, Bill. Oh, in a film studio? This is a, You surprised me, Miss Eland. Did not go unrewarded? Whoever sent it certainly knows how to draw attention to them. Although I am surprised that... Um, I'll pass it along to the script department. Stuff like that actually comes direct to Straker, considering he's got so many other things to do, like, you know, running Shadow, that someone hasn't... that, that he hasn't insisted um, that stuff just not come to him at all. Anyway, Foster's now out and about, back in Shadow Control. How long's it been as quiet as this? Since you went into hospital. That was a month ago. I mean, there've been no sightings since then. So that's so, but yeah, this this episode covers a month. We managed to scratch along. With that's very unusual, not only for this show but for any Anderson show to, to cover such a a massive amount of time. But uh, feeling better? There's something different. Good, good. In my office. Oh, this is sudden. Oh, you mean uh, reports and things? Well, are you fit for duty, Paul? Yes, sir. Schroeder checked me out an hour ago. Good. good. Oh, Doctor Schroeder still exists, does he, Paul? Oh, I thought we dealt with that. Medical center security is tighter than a drum, anyway. Oh, I see. And your little friend, he uh, couldn't get in, eh? So Straker's having breakfast in his office here. I, I do like this. You see it in Destruction as well, that Straker has a really good, really hearty breakfast. He's got four slices of toast. Um, I want you to go over to the Zeta tracker station. Well, that may actually be all of it, but uh, Let's come up with a new. I, I like that breakfast is a proper something in it. There's proper enjoyable ritual for Straker. By the way, what's that? Oh, I assume this is a film script. Well, why don't you open it and find out? Ah, you have bested me again, Alec. I'll do just that. And I believe this um this prop script that uh, Straker is now flicking through is actually the script for. Uh, the episode Confetti Check A-OK, which was the previous episode in production order. So Straker is is basically now reading the script of a UFO episode, which is ironic considering that he is actually reading the script for UFO, as we'll, we'll discover in the next scene. Croxley has written the whole organisation up. And has even found time to uh, not only do that, but to uh, actually stop by the studio to point a gun at Paul Foster. Adding to Foster's paranoia, and I think this is maybe a step too far in the story, considering um, 
it's, it's a nice little spooky moment for Paul, but it doesn't really... I know that um, he, he partly must hold Foster responsible for being at least at the scene of his wife's death. Oh, oh dear. I, I find that shot of um, Straker's office doors opening and this close-up on a grinning Freeman rather uh, rather endearingly doofy. Has Alec Freeman left the building? No, sir. He's with me now. Well, have him come back down here immediately. Yes, sir. I'm on my way. What is it? Read it, Alec. Just read it. The Shadow Organization. Colonel Alec Freeman, Moon Base, Skydiver, everything. I love that. I love that. Crocs this somehow pulled up everything. Possible. How could anybody? How should I know? Security leak. Does it say what happened to Captain Carlin? Or any other characters who've disappeared? The dossier on Shadow. Its operatives, installations, equipment. It even says that you're going to disappear quite soon, Alec, with no explanation. John Croxley. The man whose house was hit by a UFO? Yes. No, no, the other John Croxley. No. How did he get that information? The whole thing's ridiculous. We checked him out and his wife. Mr. and Mrs. Average. Yeah. Well, Mr. Average threw me across the car like a rubber doll. Hey, wait a minute. Foster's little man in the hospital. That could be Croxley, too. My laundry was late back this week. That could be Croxley, too. And you say Croxley stopped coming to see you? I also like on this sign of... Um, quite certainly. The, the sign in the building where Dr. Brunner works is a jet car hire firm as well. Which makes me think of the uh, the jet air car from Joe 90. Normally divulge such details about my patients, but with your it must have been harder to uh, to work the sort of futuristic elements into into the live action scenes. In a in a model shot, you can have a flying car, no problem. But it's uh, not something you can quite pull off as well in the live action side of things. So it's nice that they they slipped in those little little futuristic mentions, if not uh, not glimpses as such of sensing what is going to happen. It affects different people in different ways. Some adjust quickly and make good use of their powers. And Croxley? He is not one of the lucky ones. It is driving him to mental illness. His powers of perception are so pronounced he can hold a complete conversation with someone without that person uttering a single word. He can anticipate, he can how shall I say, feel the future to the point of mental breakdown when simple everyday phrases take on a new and terrible meaning. Yes, well, most of it is clear now, Doctor. Thank you very much. Uh, Croxley phoned here for you earlier today. And? For some unexplained reason, he wants you and Mr. Freeman to meet him at the ruin of his house at 10 tonight. Yeah. <laughs> We're early. So um, Straker and Freeman have arrived at the wreck of the Croxley household. They are in the studio, sitting sitting in the car with the back projection. Again, it's it's models on Straker's side and real life on Freeman's side. But it also there was a a shot of the car outside the house for real, and it probably wasn't obvious at the time or on video or even on DVD. But in HD, you can see that's very clearly not Straker and Freeman sat at the wheel, and um, the guy playing Straker looked to have a, a a wig very unceremoniously just sort of plonked on top of his head. Against his wishes or, or try to trap him, he'll know about it. Yep, so Straker and Freeman have decided this is one of those we've got to face the problem ourselves things. No, uh, no bringing along extra security or anything to face, uh, 
face Croxley. They've got to do it themselves. Listen, Paul, you went through a pretty rough experience. And here's the um, the fourth and final appearance of Dr. Schroeder, played by uh, Maxwell Shaw, who had been largely AWOL from the series for... He'd been in the first three episodes and then just disappeared. I think Shaw was having surgery. I'm sure of it. So it's nice to see him randomly turn up again. I think he gets mentioned once more after this and then just uh, joins the ranks of the many, many shadow operatives who just uh, vanished into thin air. And, uh, of course, uh, all pretty much all shadow medical get some rest. problems and uh, situations were handled by uh, Dr. Jackson after this. Anyway, Schroeder's just talked Foster into uh, going back to the house. Have a... Oh, there's a little... Uh, Wave buzzing on a monitor there in Schroeder's office, and we see that, hooray, the cat has survived. The cat has survived the UFO crash. And of course, with um, with a later episode, The Cat with Ten Lives, we learn that the aliens can take possession of, of cat bodies, so I do wonder if that cat has um, survived the UFO crash for, uh, for a particular purpose, possibly. Yeah, again, I, I get from a dramatic standpoint why Straker and Freeman have to go alone because you know, heroes got to go and face the uh, face the problem. But you know, Straker is far too important to the organisation to risk on something like this. It makes me wonder what would have happened if they just hadn't gone there at all and tried to carry on as normal. But I suppose since he knows everything, they kind of have to deal with the security risk. Huxley. The answer to your question is no. Why should I give you my gun? And this whole sequence of um, Straker and Freeman being uh, being held essentially hostage by Croxley delivers several really interesting moments, um, not only for the series generally, but also for, for the characters of Straker and Freeman. There's a couple of really sweet little insights, thanks to Croxley's uh, ESP. That's it, disarming them both. You prefer the right hip. I believe, Colonel. Uh, slowly, you have a more devious thought pattern. I like that. I like that little uh, hint into Freeman's mind, because Freeman seems the the more, well, not innocent of the two, but um, it's hard to imagine anyone being more devious than Straker, and yet, uh, supposedly, Freeman is. I wish we could have seen more of devious Freeman, really. The aliens, Croxley. They've taken over your mind. They killed your wife. They're using you. Can't you see why? They're using you to kill us. And again, Ed Bishop is, is doing such a great job here. And of course, Stratton is just... He keeps going to pieces and then he recovers his strength and you're not sure whether it's him or the aliens coming through. And this... Pulling a gun on Straker. Croxley, for God's sake. Mother. You're thinking about your mother. Stop it. That's another interesting insight. Straker's mother. What what was she like? Presumably she's um she's been dead for for many years. I don't think we saw anyone who could be a, a mother at his his wedding, but uh, at midnight. It does conjure up a lot of um possible images in the mind of uh what Straker's mother was like and what his uh, relationship with her could be. Come through that door and I'll blow your head off. I think it's the only time in the series we ever hear any mention of Straker's family beyond his uh, ex-wife and son. You say you want someone to help you. And here we go. 
Our planet is dying. Ooh. Our national resources are exhausted. We must come to Earth. We must come to Earth to survive. That still sends a shiver down my spine, that sudden, unexpected verbal communication from the aliens. Try anything. Hold it there. And obviously, we can't be sure how much of this is genuinely them and how much of it is... Well, is Croxley, uh, Croxley's brain um, what you got for lunch? playing tricks on him as he's uh, regressing to childhood here as well. No, no one told me. No, don't hit me. No. You can see just how much this has been bothering him all his life. And he shoots Straker in the hand. Ooh, nasty stuff. We mean no harm to peoples of Earth. Why do you attack us? We're fighting for existence. You must understand. And as much as I, I wish we could have ever heard the aliens, I understood a bit more about who they were before they took up, you know, coming to Earth and, and snatching people for organs. I, I kind of like that this is the only, or the closest we get to direct communication with them throughout the series. Anyway, two shots are fired. Croxley's doing the whole stand on the spot and then fall down thing. Because Foster showed up to save the day. Now, originally, this ending was uh, going to be a bit more action-packed than that. It was going to be a full-on gunfight. Um, Foster was going to show up. Croxley would see him, start firing. He'd hit Foster, I think. And um, in the, the vibrations of all the gunfire would... would um, basically caused the house to collapse and Straker and Freeman and Foster only just escaped but Croxley didn't. What did you think, Alec? And this is a simpler ending. You saw Foster appear behind Croxley. But I think it's slightly more effective. He could read our thoughts. Yes. I'll always believe that in the last few seconds Croxley regained control of his own mind. It's not as exciting an ending but it is more in keeping with the tone of the piece and... Uh, and the character as well of essentially a, a good but tormented man being pushed to the brink and finally, you know, in the last moment, he's, um, well, when he, when he finally falls, he smiles on the way down like he's finally been put out of his misery and he's grateful for it. Well, here's to fate and fear. Strange toast? Not really. But I'll drink to anything, so. What brought Paul Foster to that house? And Croxley. Fate had him marked from the moment he was born. How much of his power did he gain from the aliens? And how many other Croxleys are there in the world? How many more can we crash UFOs on top of? It was fate and fear. Yes. It's fear of the unknown which helps us... To... Oh, this is actually a rare, very rare sight of Straker drinking. The fear that helps us recognise them. Normally he refuses it. Normally it's Alec who's, uh, who's chugging down the booze, but Straker actually had a sip there. Very rare. And that's it. Croxley's script has gone into the vaporizer. And that was ESP, which is an episode I remember not really enjoying too much when I first saw it as a kid. Um, I was watching it on BBC repeats in, I think, 95-ish. And, um, of course, after this episode, they, uh, they stopped showing it for a while. But uh, it's one of those episodes that I've come to appreciate more as I get older. Again, it's not too much of the... Uh, the exciting space battles and uh, all that stuff that um, that I, I preferred as a kid. There's a little bit of that in there, especially the lovely model work of the uh, the UFO crashing into the Croxley home. But uh, I think it's it's an episode that's um, 
not perfect, but it's one of the stronger ideas uh, that UFO ever presented. Um, a tantalising glimpse of um, the thought of communication with the aliens and a marvellous guest performance there from uh, from John Stratner's poor old John Croxley. I think, on, on in retrospect, I would have liked maybe one or two more episodes of UFO uh, in a similar vein to this.